Welcome to the Alumni Audio Lab. This is our fourth issue. The Alumni Audio Lab is the podcast of the OED, the Austrian Agency for International Mobility and Cooperation in Education, Science and Research. My name is Doris Bauer and in this podcast I talk with our alumni who studied and researched or researched in Austria, all in different ways within different scholarship programs and now they work in many different disciplines and are very successful in them. We talk about, <laughs> Vanessa is laughing already. <laughs> yeah, we, we will talk about their life, research, background, academical background, personal background, countries they come from, everything like that. And my guest today is Vanessa Swelt-Cock, Dr. Professor Vanessa Swelt-Cock. Hello, very nice to have you here. Hello, Doris. Um, I love to be here. Happy, um, thank you for having me here. <laughs> It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's for me an honor to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa is from Bogota in Colombia. Your participation was very short term today. And I'm really happy that you're here because only yesterday we agreed to meet today. And you also came from Graz, where you stayed the last two months for your research. And I found it very nice yesterday when you told me on the phone on that short notice, yes, that's the Latin American spirit. <laughs> that's, yeah. very, that's very nice. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Vanessa, you were working in a very important and interesting, but also very complex field of academics. You're a professor for constitutional law at the, I hope, I, I don't speak Spanish, so I hope I will pronounce the terms right, at the Pontificia Universidad Javeriana. Yeah. It's in Bogota. And I will start with my first question right away. I always ask the same question, but the answer is every time really interesting. So I'll stick with that. As I said, you're a professor of constitutional law and you made your PhD in public law and you graduated also in administrative law. So your academic path is very straight if you tell it in terms of law. Yeah. What induced you to choose this as your profession? Well, I... Love to be a teacher. I always want to be. And when I was a st studying law at the University Javeriana, I really was concerned about the way we educate our students, the way we create a commitment to defend the public interest. So I really wanted when I was in my 20s. And I just create the opportunity for me to be able to do this in life and be happy about it and participate in, in the way we educate our students and the way they think about our state and the way they have to be very commitment about the change that we are facing right now with this peace agreement. Yes, and, and why was it law? Because you can teach in, in any kind of subjects, but why especially law? Well, law, law is an opportunity for people to defend themselves for the threats of violence and poverty or defend themselves or just to be able to perform their rights every day. So I think law was the opportunity to understand how to be able to defend ourselves of these threats. So I, I just want to participate in the way we understand justice. And I think law is an opportunity to do that. 
You started your studies in 1993 in Bogota, just two years after the new constitution became effective and also after Colombia was torn by, as far as I have read, the hardest time within the armed conflicts in the country. I want to talk about these conflicts later, but how were the conditions back then in Bogota for students, like in terms of infrastructure, security? How was it when you started your studies? Well, when I started my studies, we all have a lot of hope about the possibility to find peace in Colombia. So with this new constitution, we we have the hope that we can change the things that were creating these these factors that allowed these guerrillas groups and paramilitaries to to be able to trade the people and be violent with them at the territories. So uh, we, we, we have a lot of uh, hopes about it, but it was very difficult because we have to change the way we, we understood law. We, we have always a strict and rigid constitution that mm, denies the diversity of Colombia, that denies the multiplicity of ethnic backgrounds and also the rights of the peasants. So this change of the constitution was a possibility to understand that we have a multiple, multiple types of way of living in Colombia and different backgrounds to be able to live in the territories. Before, with the other constitution, we only we have only uh, thought that it was possible just the center, the way we understood the center life, which were the main power of the of the state, was was performance. How are the conditions now? Like twenty five years later, with the peace agreement from last year. Which problems are your students you're teaching now facing? Well, the way when when I was a student of law and we changed this constitutional law, I thought at this moment that finding peace for Colombian was not possible. Because as you said in the last question, the threats from the narco-trafficking people and also from the guerrillas and paramilitaries was very strong in the country at that moment. So I thought it, this is so difficult. We just have to live with the kind of country that we have. But now, 20 years after that, I realized that finding peaceful Colombian is possible. And I really believe that it's possible to transform the way the people at the local level are living. So it's, I think it's a very exciting moment, a very important moment, and very a meaningful historic moment for Colombia and I never thought I was able to live it. So I'm very happy to be part of this and research about the possibility to find peace. In 2004 you left Colombia for four years to do your PhD in Spain and this time, during this time you also came to Austria for the first time I think. Why did you choose Europe for your PhD studies and then why did you choose Austria for your research? Well, I I actually chose um, Hero because I wanted to be part of a public university, 
to be able to study in equal conditions of whatever person at the country. In Colombia, as you saw, I studied in a private university where I am working now, but it was like a privilege to be part of that system and still a privilege. But now when I'm, but now we are going to change that. But at that moment when I choose to be here in Europe, I wanted to be part of this public way of understand or able to understand the, the education as a right and have equal opportunities as a professional level. That's why I always chose Europe. Mm -hmm. Would, wouldn't that have been possible at a public university in Colombia at this time? Yeah, I think it now it's possible in Colombia, but um, there is not enough money to to extend all the benefits of the public education to all the people that want to be part of that. So we have to create or to think about how how to increase the participation of of people in this in this system. But now it's still a privilege and we have a few students at the public university, not as much as we want. And mm. what did you brought to Austria then during your stay in, in Spain? Well, I saw, I saw this Institute of International Law and Human Rights from the Carl Francese University of Graz. And I really want to study a little bit how how strengthening the human rights at the local level could transform the way the people are living or facing the conflict, the armed conflict in Colombia. And how is this is relation with the constitutional law, the territorial organization, and how we can change it at the constitutional level. So I, I went to, to this institute and it was a very nice experience. I was able to, at that moment, to get to know uh, Professor Benedek, who was a really, or he's still a very inspiring professor. So I'm still in that path, like um, like studying human rights and constitutional law to be able to relate it in my field, in my research field. Did you met other um, scholarship holders from the OAD? Because Professor Benedek is like the academic guide for a few of them, from also from Ethiopia and elsewhere. Have you met them? No, I, at that moment I, I couldn't. I, I think I was the only one, a scholarship holder at the moment. But I, I could uh, meet a lot of people from the Institute that were very, or oh, they have a lot of interest to work in this human rights field. So it was very inspiring to work with them. Before we talk about your current research, I want to ask you about your country in the near history a little bit more because I think it's it's related or strongly connected to your field of work. As I mentioned before, and you as well, several armed conflicts in Colombia lasted for more than 50 years. And also is Colombia a very poor country and has to deal with these conflicts and also with drug cartels, high rate of criminality. At least this is what the media coverage is in Europe. Maybe it's not so bad as it sounds, but that's what I get from the media. This and the fact that Colombia is rich in natural, natural resources causes several further problems. You already said that land organization, I think maybe also land grabbing, huge amount of internally displaced people, human rights violations. Let's start with the conflict. As we said last year, the president and the leader of the, of the rebel group signed a peace agreement. What is your opinion? Do you think the conflict is really over? 
Yeah, I think the conflict is really over with the FARC, which is one of the guerrilla groups. Then we still need the other peace agreement with the ALN, which is the other one, guerrillas group. And I think uh, the conflict is over and now we face the challenge to to implement the peace agreement. And this is a long-term process. So we need uh, to find a good path where we can implement the, the peace agreement. But I, I really believe in that agreement. That was already my next question, what this peace agreement includes and how Colombia is dealing with this post-conflict situation. Because you said it's going to be very difficult. But what's in this peace agreement that Colombia is facing now and has to deal with? Yeah, it, it haven't been easy for Colombians to start implementing the peace agreement. There is a lot of things that we have to do by laws. And as you could heard, perhaps we lost this referendum. That most of the people didn't want to approve the peace agreement. And it was a very difficult situation. Why didn't the people want this peace agreement? Because they think that the FARC are real criminals and they think there are a lot of benefits for this guerrilla group and they they must face the criminal law without any amnesties or pardons. So they weren't happy with this kind of arrangement. So they didn't vote that they wanted the peace. So it was very a very hard situation at that moment. But then um, all the political leaders, they took together, they went together and have um, amendments to this peace agreement. And then they they went to the Congress or our parliament and then we it was possible to implement or start implementing the peace agreement in Colombia to avoid again to ask the people <laughs> if they were agree or not, because normally people don't understand this. This, this is a long-term process and finding peace is difficult. It's not only about the present, it's also about the future of a whole generation of people from Colombia. Mm, as you're a professor of constitutional law, I think you know the constitution from 91 pretty well. Is it working for the situation Colombia has right now, or should, it be, should the constitution be adapted? No, the constitution must be adapted, but actually I I thought that the best solution for these peace agreements difference was a new constitution when we can have an, the real agreement as a constitutional framework. But most of the political parties, they didn't want to have this new constitution because they think they we are going to face a risk. So A, a I, risk for the parties themselves? Or? For the parties themselves, mm -hmm. but also for for the state. So the, the, the opportunity now is to adapt the current constitutions to the peace agreement and that is where, um, what the constitutional court at the moment are doing with with facing these all these laws for implementing the peace agreement. So it's difficult, it's very <laughs> difficult, oh my God. <laughs> and what are the biggest obstacles in the law system in Colombia today? Can you give us maybe some examples where you think as a professor 
it needs adaption. Well, um, at the moment, we changing the way we're thinking the territorial organization, for example, the way as we can at the local level implement the peace agreement, but also to implement actually the amnesty, the law amnesty. This is also very difficult. What is that exactly? The amnesty is the way we don't punish the people who commit this criminal mm, these criminal these crimes these criminal crimes <laughs> in Colombia so we have already the amnesty in Colombia but um, and the amnesty for whom for the gr for people the who were part of the uh, guerrilla mm -hmm. group exactly the pack mm -hmm. so We already have this amnesty, but uh, still we cannot apply it because we we need some institutional arrangements to be able to do it. So this is one of the the most, for example, the the, the biggest challenge at the moment. And because when when in Colombia a perdón or an amnesty could be done, is only possibility the only possibility is with a special law. And this is not a special law. So now they're thinking that probably if we don't change the way of this law, it's not possible to implement this this amnesty. And this is part of it. This is the core of the of the, the, of the, the yeah. To to find peace is is necessary to give amnesty to the guerrilla group, or otherwise they are not going to face jail and and all these consequences. Okay, so they signed the peace agreement, both parties, which by law cannot be implemented in this way. Mm. Is this is this what you're saying? Yeah, so at the moment less? we are facing that. Mm -hmm. At the moment we have a, we are waiting for a decision of our high court, constitutional high court, to be able to apply this amnesty law. Mm -hmm. At the moment it wasn't possible, it is not possible, and it was not possible to apply this amnesty. Mm -hmm. And who made the peace agreement, or who wrote, who wrote it? Who wrote this this point that they can uh, get amnesty even though it's not possible by law? No, actually, it, the by law the, is the way you interpret law. Is the way you interpret mm -hmm. law. If you uh, you have a rigid interpretation of the constitutional law, then it's not possible to apply this this amnesty law. If you face that we have to transform the constitutional framework as a path to find peace and we have to quit of values of justice, of punishment, because we want to have reconciliation, then it's possible to implement the, the constitutional framework but also the amnesty law. But if, um, if we don't interpret this as this way that I that I said, then then it's inconstitutional and we cannot we cannot find peace. Mm -hmm. And at this moment we are waiting for this decision. I hope so that it could be good for Colombian safe. Mm -hmm. When will this decision be made? Uh, we don't know exactly. I, we we think at the end of August at latest. Okay, so this year. This year, okay, yeah, so it's must be year. Very exciting. What's, yeah, what's coming there? Yeah, a lot of things. Uh, are very exciting, but also we are f 
like feeling that every step is a big risk, that there is not a straight way of reconciliation. And I don't know if we are, if we are doing the things right or not. Mm -hmm. We're just doing the things, hoping that this is the best thing for the society. Mm -hmm. But it's a, a very difficult situation to face this, this time. Mm -hmm. Okay, then let's come to your current research topics. You're focusing on human rights and environmental violations in extractive corporations. Can you tell us a little bit more about this research? Okay, I actually I built a database which contains the criminal criminal or crimes that a corporation had been committed at the territories, and they did that taking advantage of the armed conflict. This is not new for our contemporary society. We all knew about these blood diamonds case in Angola. And it's not new that the corporations participate in some way in wars and, and in art mm -hmm. conflicts. It's also the, the case in the Nazi regimes. So the case of Colombia is also kind of the same thing. We have a extractive industries, specifically mining and oil extraction corporation, and they have been violating rights in Colombia, taking advantage of the difficult situation that we are living and the needs of the people at the territory. Actually, we have two cases. The corporation have used security providers, uh, that why their activities carried out gross human rights abuses, and when they developed their operation, they have made environmental harm. So the question that I that I create for being able to be here at the Institute of Grass was how the corporations can be faced the responsibility at the international level. And I share my research with uh, students and professors from the Institute and I have some, some findings that I want to publish in the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know when, but in the future. How, how did you get the information about these um, violations? Were you talking to, to people who were working in these corporations? Or where did you get the, the That was claims from NGOs, also media information, also the Human Rights Resource Center, also low cases. So there were multiples sources that we could find this information to be able to put it all mm -hmm. together in this database. Mm -hmm. Who is running these corporations Corporations you are looking at? Mm -hmm. Are these private or this public is a mul private? Multinationals. Okay. Mm, they are very big and powerful because they do mining and oil. So one of them and or several of them are Europeans, others are Canadians corporation, big corporation with different owners. Mm -hmm. And they play a, a big role in the economy from, from Colombia. Yeah, this is one of the things uh, that uh, we depend on these resources. No, it's like um, it's, it's because we have these natural resources, but also we are suffering because we have it. We cannot avoid the way they are They are abusing the, their rights at the territory because the state is in some way a little bit related with the corporation they, 
the state cannot ensure the role, the rule of law or because the lack of investigation or, or judicialization of these cases. So this is mm -hmm. the pro other problem that we are facing. Not only the funding piece is not only because we already have this peace agreement with the guerrilla group and for sure the other one with the another guerrilla group, but also how we face the way these corporations are acting in the, ter at the territories because they are involved in this violence at, this, at that level. And is it violence within the companies, so to the workers there, or are these violations to maybe people who had who were land grabbed, or how how do these violations look like? There are also essential right, human rights violation, and other are social rights, economical and social rights um, violations. The essential right is forced displacement, forced disappearance. And social rights are more environmental harms, mm -hmm. the damage to the territory, like contamination of water, contamination of air, or the earth. This is the kind of, of violation that we found. Who is working in these corporations? Local community people or are these um, workers from anywhere else in Colombia or... There, there is a mix of people who works in these in these corporations, like the some of them are for other countries and others are they need people from Colombia also to work at the corporation. So, but they don't have the power to decide what the corporation is going to do and how to face the problems at the territory. Yes, I think uh, Colombians workers cannot do that. How is the law situation in these corporations? Because as they are multinational or international corporations, is Colombian law the, the base for what happens there or is it international law? Well, at the beginning, we have uh, our domestic law, our criminal law, and we can sue members of that corporations for these kind of violations. The second opportunity is domestic, civil domestic law, when we can sue them for the harm that they are doing at the territories. And the third state could be if our special peace jurisdiction is not working very well, so we can go to the criminal international law court to be able to judge the members of this corporation that participate in these gross human rights violations. So it's a little bit domestic and we have an international law part. In these last two months you've been to Graz, you focused on the international law. Why? What can be found in international law? What is missing in the domestic law? At the international the forum, it's not possible to prosecute a company as a legal entity. So In the international? At the no. international level. So we need to just uh, to to sue the corporate official that could face the trial in this ICC or the International Criminal Court. So the only possibility is domestic law to be able to sue these companies um, or the, but only the 
the corporate officials that work at the company. The company as an entity is not possible to be sued or responsible of this damage. Not an international and not also on local, domestic? No, at domestic okay. level. Okay. It's not possible. So was, what I was doing in, in, in grass was looking for the possibility to how to sue these corporation officers or officials who work at the company. But uh, I was always looking for how is the debate at the international level if it's possible or we are we can see in the future that the possibility of sue this company as an entity a legal entity but at the moment it's not possible so that was my feeling it not very much <laughs> like not this is not a nice thing for or we are facing but this is what we have at the moment mm -hmm. and although you didn't find a possibility for for that reason but uh, in general How does it work to bring research finding from, for example, your work or other researchers in law actually in court? What are you doing with the re research findings to, to bring them to the practitioners? Well, there is the possibility to prevent the damage. So we have these social responsibility laws where we can uh, issue a way to avoid the harm at the territories and this is the the way we are thinking now and working just in the prevent level and uh, the other hand we with this information we are for example working with um, law firms that probably they need this kind of information to be able to sue the corporation officials that was involved in that kind of was human rights violations. This is the only two things that we are doing at the moment. And also to be able to understand what is happening at the territory. This is the most important thing because well, we didn't know at the moment all the involvement of this corporation in these gross human rights violations. So how to face it as a way of peace building is the, is the challenge now. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's again the path to my next question you mentioned in your report moral responsibility as an instrument to enforce human rights rights what is meant by this can you make this a little bit clear mm. how this moral responsibility work because we have to change the way we understand uh, our the moral the current moral in our society to be able to understand that also these legal entities have the, a moral responsibility to our societies. So if we understand that they are doing it at this moment on moral things, then we are able to sue them or to criticize them at the public level and to be able to take decisions that make them not to violate or not to make harm to the people at the territories. If we, we all are involved, if we don't buy things from mining products or oil products, if we change the way we are living in our contemporary world, then we can help developing countries not to face the threats because of this dependence of the resources we are having, this kind of situation. So it's also a moral responsibility, not only in our countries, but also as a global trend that we have to change 
the way we are thinking, the way we are buying, the way we are living in the, in this capital area. Are you working with your findings on an somehow international level or international network where you bring these findings to, to the other countries to, to be moral responsible somehow or you have to, to inform that and to, to go to their mind and are you doing this in, in Colombia or is it in Colombia or is there somehow uh, on international level uh, Well, we have a um, research group in, on territory rights. And we are working with people from different countries. But this is more an academic level. Mm -hmm. It's more about how the corporation can face uh, international responsibility, how they can be in liability or responsibility at the domestic level. But this is not, for example, an activist action but with support of course the NGOs are doing this at the moment. We publish our findings and I, we hope that uh, somehow we can help to change or to transform the situation in our countries and also in the world. So w what we want to do is to publish our findings here in Europe and also in the United States and to be able to participate in different kind of conference where we can discuss with colleagues about these problems and also to teach our students about this risk and about a way of changing the way we are facing this, this risk at a domestic level. But it's an, for sure it's an academic work. And you're not only researching on human, but also on environmental rights or violations. Does these two rights are connected to each other or appears the environment as its own like legal entity or claimant? Or is it always connected? So if you, if you look at environmental violations, is it also because these environmental violations cause human violations? Yeah, they are related, actually. But in, in the case um, I'm studying, in the case of oil and mining, they are close related. When these companies, they act or the operations uh, in the territory could not have the result that they want. So they often, when they have these like agreements with the military forces and also the paramilitary force uh, groups, they used to have these securities providers that they normal normally they 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 violate the human rights of the population by forcing deployment, forced disappearance. But also at the same time they were they are doing their operation is also against the environment because they are contaminating the the environment and it's not possible for the people to live there. So the other right that is current violating by the corporation is the right to the territory, to be able to live at the territory and to have um, a life there and to be able to be a farmer. But uh, this is not possible because of the environmental harm. So the people going to other cities or fleeing from their territory and losing their land also. How is land use organized or uh, land owning in, in Colombia? Is this private land where the people are living who are um, displaced or is this public land where people are allowed to do their farming? And they, 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 It is a mixture. 
because the people, most of the peasants, they have private properties, but also the the state is the owner of the earth behind. So they can decide if a corporation can make an operation in their territories. So there is a conflict right now in the way we are understanding the private law and the public law. The territory as a public element and the territory as a private element because the interest of the state is to find the resource, the economic resources, and the, the interest of the people is to be able to live in their territories and have a peaceful life. So they are right now, this is a confrontation, and this confrontation uh, is facing these human rights violations because of that confrontation. You write about the conflict between, as we said, the territory and the development model in Latin America. How does this model look like in Colombia? What, what do you mean by development model? Well, the development model means that there is some inhabitants from Colombia that they work and live as a farmers. They are not multinationals and they cannot compete with the multinationals in these sell their uh, agricultural products. So it means that we we have to understand how they can live with the model they have with these pre-capitalisms and how in this era of this capitalist world. So how to create the way these farmers could have an opportunity to live with the way they are having this relation with the territory, just being small or just have some products for the region but not be able to to sell the products at national, national or international level. So small products for small people and to live in their territories uh, doing that. That is different kind of way of, of we understand development because the other the other way is that we are we understood the development is only to exploit natural resources but these multinational corporations so this in indie is not doing anything for the good of the people or for making them living better at the territory actually they are living in worse condition now that before without the operation of these corporations. So I think we have to change the way we understand development and to allow other kind of development in a country like Colombia, which is very big country, and the possibility to the people to live in their territories and decide what is better for them and not to impose a way of development which is doing a lot of harm to the people at the territory. So that's questioning what the the role of the state. What is doing the the state is if the state is only they have only interest in these natural resources or also in people. yeah in the people and to be able to inform the rule of law for the human security of the people. 
a question which is not mine. I heard it on a radio show a few days ago, but it's very interesting for me because in German, even the words are very much closer than in English, Recht und Gerechtigkeit. Yeah. So law and justice. What is your personal opinion? What has law and justice to do with each other? How are they related? Is law justice or is justice law? Wow. Fine, that is so difficult. <laughs> um, well, it, it depends. It depends. It depends of um, why in a, a specific context you understand of what is justice. If justice is to accomplish social, economical and essential rights of the people, then justice is that. Is that the law helps to enforce the rule of law to, to be able to respect human rights. This is one kind of justice. I believe that is, that is justice. But when the law is not that, the law is also economic uh, power and other it it has a lot other kind of of goals that is not related with the human rights at the, of the people at the territories then the law becomes injustice and that is what is happening in Colombia that we don't know if this law could help people to find peace actually i'm thinking that not all the system but some Part of the system should be should be changed to find peace for Colombians. So because it is not a it is not a good relation between law and justice. If we change the way, but not only the law, the way we understand law, then justice could be possible and the violation of the human rights could be stopped. And also the way the people are living at the territories is possible that they could live in peace without the streets of the corporation, guerrilla groups, the state, the paramilitary forces. I think it's time to leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you sometimes disappointed that you can't find the answers you want in the law system? Yeah, actually, it's, um, it's what it has been happening during my research work. I think it's not possible to find all the answers in the legal system. We have to go to the sociology, anthropology, other ways to understand what is happening to a country and the law just must reflect this kind of debate or at least to face or try to solve the problems that we are aware when we study other kind of social sciences, but not only law. It's not possible to understand what is happening to a society only by law. <laughs> okay, then my last questions. What are your plans for the future? Will you stay in the field you're working right now or is there something else in where you say maybe I'm interested in that? Oh, that would be interesting. Why? Well, I, I, I think this is the research of my life. I actually want to stay here where I am. I think just to be able to participate in the implementation of the peace agreement is just a big a task to moment, do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I will keep thinking about how, how to do this at the local level, how to do this and how to defend people and how to give them 
the possibility and the capabilities to make informed choice and also to defend themselves from the treats of the daily life and to be able to live in peace. And I think this is my task. I really am really happy to be part of this and I hope my children could help also. I think all Colombians must be involved in this historical moment. Yes, yeah, that was my last question. Thank you, Vanessa. I wish you all good luck of the world for this for this huge research and this, this huge topic. I think it's really a historic moment at the at the moment <laughs> yeah, in, in Colombia with this peace agreement. Thank so, you very yeah. much to yeah. you, Doris, to the UAD, to have me here, to to have this interest in my research, to know so much as you did about Colombia. It's amazing all the research <laughs> that you that you did for doing this interview. So I'm really, really happy to be part of this and it was really an honor yes, to be here. For me as well. Vanessa, thank you. Thank you. Alumni Audio Lab.